Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, thank you. Very warm welcome to you. Yes, Jesus. Let's give Jesus a hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. This is the day that God has made. What a gift. What a gift. Good morning. Warm welcome to those worshiping online. Fort McKinley campus, good morning. Here in Tip City, good morning. My name is Dennis Miller. I'm reporting for duty. You can't miss it. It's looming in the middle of the room. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're reminded of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live. It's no longer I. It's no longer I that live. But Christ that liveth in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. And so it's in the shadow of the cross, Kingsburg, that we gather today. And as we gather today, let me say thank you. Thank you for your welcome. Thank you for your love. Thank you for welcoming my wife Rachel and I. We have just felt overwhelmed, surprised a little bit of even our own transition of life. Uh, we have been humbled and we come with that spirit today. All of your prayers, your texts, your Facebook messages, wow. This church knows how to love, and I want to say very much thank you, and thank you for those who have made this day easy for us. Uh, even the person who said, now, no pressure, Dennis, no pressure. It's your first day here, at least at this church, no pressure. Eternal souls are hanging in the balance, but, but no pressure today. Or the person who said, now, I'm finally coming to church, Dennis, don't blow it. <laughs> I won't mention who, it's, who said that, but yeah. So in order for me to feel a little more comfortable, I'm going to begin with a story and perhaps put you in the listening mode, and then we're going to look at our scripture today and what God has to say from God's word today. Let me just tell you a story to just kind of settle me and get us ready to listen. True story. The year was 2007. Touchstone Pictures came out with a movie called Wild Hogs. Anybody remember that movie? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was about four middle-aged guys from Cincinnati, Ohio, who were all going through their own midlife crisis and decided to get on their Harley-Davidson motorcycles and take a cr cross-country trip, and they got into all kinds of ventures. So in that spring, I gathered with three of my buddies, Glenn Orball, Ron Monroe, and Daryl Kress, and Daryl's sitting right over there so he can testify to this story, and we went to the Upper Valley Mall in Piqua, and we watched that movie, and after the movie, we decided that we were going to get on our Harley Davidsons, one guy had a Honda, and we were going to go on our own Wild Hogs adventure across the country. Our wives said, you're going to do what? We said, yeah, we're going to do it, and we're not going to make any reservations. We're just going to see where the road would take us. How fun. Well, day two, leaving the Miami Valley, we made our way to Branson, Missouri, but it was near noon, 
and it wasn't time to find a hotel. And so I looked on the map and I saw this little mountain town in northwest Arkansas called Eureka Springs, right in the Ozarks. Have you ever heard of Eureka Springs, Arkansas? Little town. Yeah, you've been there. Good. It's a good place. And uh, have a, they have a passion play there for many, many, many years. And so we said, well, that's, that's a place of a passion play, a place of tourism, a nice, wholesome town. Let's go ahead and just we'll find a place there. And so about 6 p.m., we rumbled into town, and as we got closer and closer to town, we noticed that all these motorcyclists were coming into town. We said, well, wow, this must be a motorcycle haven or something like that. And as we got closer, these dudes looked pretty tough. And we turned the corner. You can't make this stuff up. Hundreds of bikes all around. And we looked up, and there was a banner across the road in front of this hotel. It says, welcome, Hell's Angels Convention. We were in the middle of a Hell's Angels convention. We rode our bikes through all the Hell's Angels, and they, actually they had taken over a couple parking lots, and they blocked off the hotels, so we weren't able to stay there, thank God. And we went through there, and we went to the edge of town to a little hotel with no motorcycles out front. Quiet little place. We said, this is our place for tonight. I Put the kickstand down, walked in first. Now, I've been on the road for two days, hadn't shaved, wearing a do-rag, leathers, got off my Harley, walked in. And I greeted the receptionist, dear, sweet, little older woman, well-dressed. And I said, good evening. And I could tell that she was a little bit nervous. She didn't know the difference between a gang member or a motorcyclist and all. And she was a little uptight. And so to put her at ease, I said, ma'am, as I realized, she thought I was a hell's angel. I'm not a hell's angel. I'm a heaven's angel. I'm a messenger. And she just gave me the oddest look. And so I said, I'm a United Methodist pastor, to which she didn't miss a beat. And she said, I've got major problems with them too. <laughs> I mean, you can't make that stuff up, right? So if you have problems with preachers or perhaps Methodist preachers, hey, you're not alone today. So let me just testify I'm grateful to be a follower of Jesus, humble, growing every day. If you're looking for the perfect preacher, sorry, Bishop didn't send one this time. You got me, but I'm growing in grace, but I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm not ashamed of it, proud to be a Christian. In a world with so many different philosophies out there and ideologies and ways of thinking and other religions, I'm not here to put other people down. I'm here to lift Jesus up, amen? I'm proud to be a Christ follower. But about a time or two, what if I would have followed this way or went down another road after high school? But I always come back. I always come back to this Christian way because it's this Christian way that brings life not only here today, but life forever in heaven. Amen? Oh, I get discouraged. Do you ever get discouraged? I feel like Charlie Brown. Why is everybody always picking on me? But somebody asked Billy Graham once, they said, are you an optimist or pessimist? He said, well, I don't have an option. I'm a Christian. <laughs> Friends, we don't have an option. We don't have an option to be full of joy. In a world of hell, we had some this week, our prayers are with our community, our hearts are heavy. That's the real world we live in. But in the middle of it all, there's hope. Our joy, the joy that we talk about, the joy in the scripture, the joy that we'll look at today is not determined by what we had on Saturday night to eat. Our joy runs deep around this place. But the joy is not determined by what's going on around you today, but what's going on, amen, within you. And that's the joy that the Apostle Paul offered today 
from the letter of joy in the New Testament, the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles today, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles. If you have a Bible app on your phone, just go right ahead. If you're at home today online, you have your computer, maybe just kind of uh, look and Google Philippians chapter 3. Philippians in the New Testament is a letter to the church at Philippi. It's been called by some the letter of joy and encouragement in the midst of hard times, in the midst of adverse circumstances. And Paul is writing this, perhaps uh, as he's chained to a Roman guard. His own death looms on the horizon, and so he's going through hard times. And yet he's writing words such as, rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4.4. And again, I say, rejoice. And so we get to chapter 3, and he says some very significant things that I think speak to us, church, together. We're in this together now, in this doorway of change and new beginning. This church, Philippi, was birthed through a revival. I've been listening online to the sermon series you've had this summer. Excellent, excellent, excellent preachers in this church. Excellent staff. Thank your staff for all of their hard work. Um, and they, yeah, yeah. Because they work for Jesus and you. And in the book of Acts, we see this great uh, revival that took place that began the church 20 years before. So this church had a history by the time that Paul was writing back to them in this letter. And you'll recall from the book of Acts, and I'm just going to quickly hit on this, that Paul and Silas, which we call on their second missionary journey, were ministering in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and they were getting a lot of closed doors. The Holy Spirit was not leading them into places, and they were wondering why. And they were located one evening in the northern city of Troas, and Paul received a vision in the middle of the night. There was a man from Europe, from Macedonia, who was calling them to come across the Aegean Sea and to share Jesus with them. And so they crossed the straits there, Macedonia, into Europe, into what's called modern-day Greek, if you're looking at a map, up by Thessalonica. And they journeyed 10 miles into land where there was a Roman colony named Philippi. It did not even have a synagogue. But there they met a woman of faith who was praying by the woman, who was searching. Her name was who? Lydia, a businesswoman. And they led her to Jesus. And as far as we know, she was the first convert to Jesus, the Christian faith in Europe, at least officially, in a sense. And then we also see other things that happened. Uh, we see the Philippian jailer where he asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? This is Acts 16, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. And he was baptized along with his household as well. And so Paul had that in his history. He looked back into a church, it was a great church. And, he had, and now he's pouring out, he's perhaps near the end of his life and he's pouring out his heart to this church that he loved. Although he was far physically away, he was there with them. And he writes about joy. And in chapter 3, we have this. And this is, if you have your Bibles, just follow along with me or to the sound of my voice today. Philippians 3, really it's 3 through 14. I'm going to highlight starting at verse 12, but we'll look back. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already received perfection. 
but I press on that you can tell that I'm new here because I got to try to figure out the screen, by the way, in my, in my scripture, okay? Let me just read this again. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. He's saying many things to them. I want to highlight two things that I believe speak to us as we begin a new chapter. First of all, Paul says, leave the past behind. Leave the past behind. Now, Paul, when he's saying forget the past, he's not saying to deny the past. He knows that he's been shaped by the past. In fact, in verses 3 through 11, he talks about his past, how the past has shaped him and molded him for this moment. We have a glorious past. I realize I'm standing on the shoulders of, of Rachel and Chris and Mike and others. We are who we are today in this movement because of the great past. So he's saying that the past has shaped him. Look at verse 3 through 11. He says he's done everything right. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. What's that? One of the 12 tribes of Israel. King Saul, the first king of Israel, came out of the tribe of Benjamin. He was named after him. He was Saul of Tarsus. Later, when he was ministering in the Hellenized world, in the Greek-influenced world, we see Luke calling him Paul. He has that name change, which is actually just a language change from Saul to Paul. But he was named after the first king. Of Israel. He said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law. In fact, he was trained at the best theological school. He was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. And many scholars argue that he could not have written the sophisticated theology found in Romans or Galatians without that background. And so he is saying not to deny the past. It's who he was. It's who he is. But he's saying don't live in the past. Don't worship the past. Don't uh, focus on the past. Don't say, well, that's the way that we always do things around here because that's our way, you see. Don't live in it. In fact, use it as a springboard for something greater. God is calling us to something greater. In fact, in verse 8, he says, all of this in compared to Jesus in compared to the prize, the high calling that we're striving for, it's all garbage. It's all rubbish. He says, only I want to know Christ, right? And the power of his resurrection. When you came in this morning, you received hopefully a three by five card. If you are worshiping online, I want to invite you to listen to some instructions as if you have a card in front of you or you can make a card. Fort McKinley, I know that you've received cards as well and I wanna invite you to take out that card. There are things in our past that we've held on for a long time that are not of God, that are holding us back from walking into the future. Perhaps it's haunting memories or guilt. 
Perhaps it's a past relationship that we cannot forgive ourselves. Or perhaps it's an ego. You know how to spell ego? E-G-O, edging God out. We ought to be edging God in, right? Not edging God out. Maybe it's an ego. Maybe it's selfish ambition. What is it in your life that you need to leave the past behind, that today is a day of new beginnings, that you need to lay that at the feet of Jesus that needs to be nailed to the cross because something needs to die at the cross in order for something to live again. And I want to invite you to examine your soul. If you're at home, just examine your soul today and ask that question and maybe write that down. You don't need to sign your name. No one else is going to be looking at these cards but me. I'm going to take them and I'm just going to get rid of them today. But in a tangible act of faith, we're going to invite you at the end of this service to step out of the shadows and place that cart at the foot of the cross. We have baskets there. We have baskets in the balcony today. We have baskets at Fort McKinley at the cross today as a way to say, I'm leaving the past behind. What is it in your past that you need to place at the feet of Jesus? And then the apostle says, not only do we empty ourselves, we have to fill ourselves back up. And so he says, Focus on the future. Verse 13, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. I discovered a truth of life a while back. The windshield of my car is this big and the rearview mirror is this big. Now, which one should I spend most of my time looking at or looking through? I'd wreck my car if I spent all my time in that rearview mirror. That rear view mirror, that's a glance window, not a look window. But gang, here's what happens. The enemy of our souls begins to tap on our shoulder and says, hey, 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 Dennis. Because of that in your past, because of that in your history, your damaged goods, you could never be used by God. Don't even try. We can't live in the past. We place the past at the feet of Jesus on the cross today, and we step into the future. That's scary because that future seems unknown in the physical world. Remember what I said when we started this message, that the Apostle Paul is not writing from the comfort of a pastor's study with a nice little fireplace and some Starbucks. Instead, he's chained to a Roman guard. His own death looms on the horizon, and yet he's future-focused. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I've got work to do, Philippians, until that day. And when that day comes, I'm stepping not into an unknown tomorrow, but I know who holds it in Jesus. What the Apostle Paul is saying to the Philippians and to us today, if you're not dead, you're not done. I can tell we have a few Pentecostals in the room. Most of us are Methodists. (laughs) That that was kind of a shallow amen there. If you're not dead, you're not done, (laughs) church. You know who taught me that? A little lady from Zanesville, Ohio. That's my hometown. Everybody in town called her Grandma Betty. Betty Weikert, when she was 87 years old, 
God called her to a new ministry. Some of you are 67. You're ready to give up on life. You're ready to retire. You're ready to throw in the towel. 87 years old. God called her to connect with Forever Dads in Southeast Ohio and start visiting residents of the Noble Correction Institute. I met her when she was 94 years old. I was her district superintendent. She would talk, though she knew my mom, and she, she would talk about my mom, how she remembers that she was just a little girl. And all. I thought, my mom, yeah, I was a little girl. And she would always say to me, D.S. Miller, preacher Dennis, I'm praying for you. I'm cheering for you. She was the kind of person. That was her ministry. And she did that at the residence of a prison as well. And when she was 100 years old, you talk about a world changer. She had made such a big impact upon the men over there in Eastern Ohio at this prison. This was just a couple years ago, folks, that they decided to throw a 100th birthday party for her. In fact, I contacted WHIZ NBC affiliate of Zanesville, my hometown, this week and asked them for special permission for the video clip that they showed of her birthday party at the prison. Check it out. Over 2,500 inmates at the Noble County Correctional Center came together to celebrate a very special volunteer. WHIZ reporter Nicolette Pizzuto is in the studio with the story. Nicolette. Most who celebrate their centennial will put their face on a smucker's jar. But Grandma Betty was joined in the prison yard for a song. Coming on my birthday is very, very special. It's the unusual that really impacts the soul. And so when you can have 2,500 incarcerated men sing happy birthday to a lady who has turned 100 years old, it's just something that you don't see. It's something that you couldn't believe that's real. But we just did it. We just saw it. And it's really a testimony to really what's happening at Noble Correctional Institution and the relationship with Forever Dads. Known to the volunteers and those at the prison is Grandma Betty, the birthday girl, has been volunteering with Forever Dads and attending graduations for the program for over eight years. I want them to feel close to me like I really am close to them. Not blood-wise, I don't have to be, but we're all children of God and they are, and they are my grandchildren in, in Christ. She even bakes homemade cookies for the graduates of the program. I feel like they are family. I, I, I treat them, you know, I think about them. That's, and I pray for them. I pray for them every day. I know their blessed faces when I see them, you know, when I come and I see them. And I know they come, they expect me to, they want me to come. One thing, I think they want their cookies. <laughs> The warden says Grandma Betty isn't just a volunteer. To the inmates, she's so much more. She's a part of us. Grandma Betty's a part of our institution. She's part of our staff. She's part of our population. And so it's just a special person who really adds to the fabric of our facility. We really care about her, and she cares about the people here. And we're very fortunate to have her part of our lives. The warden says he hopes that this experience is one of many that his inmates can take after their release. In the studio, Nicolette Pizzuto, WHIZ News. Wow. Thank you, God, for the witness of Graham Albetty. Where is God calling you in this new day? At 101 years old, years young, Graham Albetty, just a year ago, stepped into the future again. She stepped not into the unknown, for she stepped into the arms of Jesus.
hey, we turn a page today in our history, but it's not unknown to God. We're stepping into the future, into the arms of Jesus. Here's the good news, people of the resurrection. Jesus is alive today, amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe he is? Listen, some of you, no, wait a minute, some of you may not know that. Some of you are thinking, how do you know, Pastor, really? Come on, how do you know? Listen, I just talked to him this morning. He said he's feeling fine. He said he'd always love me. He'd never leave me or forsake me. I'm telling you, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. You ask me how I know he lives. I don't have to ask anybody, Miami Valley. I know that he lives, for he lives within my heart. Good news, good news, good news, good news. Well, let's wrap things up. I'm ready for a snow cone. We've talked about leaving the past behind, celebrating it, realizing it shaped us, moving into a new day together. I don't walk this journey alone. We walk it together. But this message is about us. But hear me before we leave. It's really about you. It's about you. It's about you, it's about you, it's about you, it's about your story. Your story that's yet unwritten. Grandma Betty had a new story at 87 and 94. It's about your story of life change, changing the world. This church has always been about mission. It's not about us, it's not about the preacher, it's not my church. It's about what God is doing here. And he said, will you join me, Kingsburg? When I'm doing, redeeming, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself on that cross. Your story is yet to be written. But you've got to lay it down. You've got to come to the cross. You've got to die to self. I don't know about you, but today I'm holding up the white flag. This is my surrender today. I want to invite you to stand all over the room. We're going to end this way. Dan will come back up and share some final words. But this is being a spirit of worship. I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing. You don't have to. But if God's calling you, what is it that perhaps that you need to lay down today? What haunting guilt, what, what past relationship, what memory that you're not going to live in the rearview mirror anymore. It's a new day as we press on towards the mark. Holy Spirit, do what I cannot do now. Sweep all over this place. Come as wind. Come as fire. Sweep through these halls, Lord. Sweep into our student ministry and our kids' ministry, Lord. Call students to ministry. You called me as a 16-year-old in Zanesville, Ohio, to be a preacher. Call our students, Lord, to be world changers today. Today, Lord, whatever it is, we just lay it down. I thank you for second chances and new beginnings and fresh starts and starting over. Let today be the day. All over the room we pray. And all God's people said, not amen, 
All God's people said, wow. Let's try that. And all God's people said, wow. Because we're just amazed of what God's going to do in us and through us today. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.